Welcome to the premiere edition of the Lens of Leadership podcast. I'm WPSD TV Sports Director Jeff Bidwell. Sports have been a huge part of my life as long as I can remember. And before I even realized what leadership was, I wanted to be led. I had many coaches growing up who were dynamic personalities that sort of had this charisma to bring a group of us together and point us toward a common goal. When I was younger and in college, I spent four years coaching basketball at the middle school and high school level. That was my first peek behind the curtain at how the leaders lead and their method to the madness, and it was mesmerizing to me. I couldn't read enough or learn enough about the topic to try to apply it to my team and my life. As I've gotten older, I've realized leadership is everywhere. It is in sports. It is in business. It is in politics. It is in our family life. And that's what this podcast will be about. I'm going to talk to leaders who are successful in their field, whatever that field may be, and talk with them about how they lead, how they build their team, how they build a culture that has allowed them to facilitate all of that success around them. My hope is you will be able to pull something from our guests that you can use in your own life. When you're young, it's boiled down simply that there are leaders and there are followers. I'm a strong believer that all of us can be leaders in some way in our lives. Hopefully this podcast will introduce you to some people and some ideas that would help you become the best leader you can be. Without further ado, here's our first guest on the Lens of Leadership podcast. Our first guest, originally from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, after a successful high school career, he walked on in Appalachian State before earning a scholarship for his final three years. January 11th, 1999 versus Wofford, five for five from three-point range, still tied for the school record for most threes made in a game without a miss. In 2000, he helped the Mountaineers just their second trip to the NCAA tournament in school history. Started his assistant coaching career as a 22-year-old at his alma mater before a one-year stop at Tennessee, then returned to App State until 2010. After one season at UNC Wilmington, he joined Murray State as an assistant coach and was part of the record-setting team in 2012 that went 31-2 and was ranked in the top 10 in America. After four years as a racer assistant, he left for Louisiana Tech to become associate head coach for two weeks. When Steve Prohm left Murray for Iowa State, our guest returned to become the 16th head basketball coach in Murray State history. Last season, he led the Racers to an Ohio Valley Conference regular season and tournament championship and took Murray State to the NCAA tournament for the 16th time. Please welcome Murray State men's basketball coach, Matt McMahon. Jeff, thanks for having me on, and that was a <laughs> heck of an intro. I, I greatly appreciate it. Kind of a big deal. It's a big deal to be sitting here That's spending some time with you, so thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here to talk about leadership, and obviously you are the leader of this ship. Um, go back to the beginning, uh, even before your coaching career, maybe back to your playing days. What was the first time you noticed you were being led? Like, and and wh whether it was maybe it was your dad, maybe it was a coach, just somebody that you're like, okay, this guy is, I'm ready to go run through the, I, and you may not even be able to understand it, but you're like, I'm ready to go do whatever this guy wants me to go do. Uh, probably in high school, my high school coach, Chuck Carringer, uh, you just saw his commitment to not only coaching basketball, but the leadership side that it takes. And always saw him studying leadership, talking about leadership, uh, sharing some of the principles that he had learned. Uh, and I thought that really made a, a huge impact on me as I made the decision to go into coaching. Uh, because I think the importance of the leadership and team building and chemistry and all those things 
uh, really outweighs the X's and O's of what we do. What did he do that stood out to you? Well, I think just the, the fact that you always saw him studying it and then bringing those principles to our team. Uh, and, it, and it's helped me uh, build my philosophy uh, on, on leading a program. And then I think as I transitioned into college, playing in college, I already had a base because he ran our high school program like college programs run. So I got to experience that playing for him for three years. And then I go to Appalachian State and play for Buzz Peterson there. And he really established a culture of discipline and toughness. Uh, Michael Jordan's college roommate at North Carolina, played for Dean Smith, part of the 1982 national championship team. So for four years uh, as a player, I got ex then exposed to the, the Dean Smith Carolina way. Uh, and it was, uh, made, a, made a huge impact on me as well. I read that you used to read leadership books in your playing days and, and you put together a, a, a notebook for, for Coach Fancher. Is that correct? Oh, that, that was as an assistant. Was I as wasn't assistant. smart okay. enough as a player. <laughs> and, and fortunately, I finally figured out in my late 20s that I needed to start reading and learning yeah. and, and really concentrated my efforts on leadership, team building, uh, mindset, uh, relationships. What and flipped that switch that you're like, I need to be better at this? I, I just think um, just watching different coaches, um, just wanting to get better. Uh, I wanted to get better at what I was doing uh, as an assistant coach. And, and it's been really good for me. It's, it's made a big, big impact on me. Still try to, to, to read as much as I can and, and learn and, and get better in every aspect of our program. Somebody walked in here and, and you wanted to sort of share your knowledge on the topic to what you know. What, what's the one book on your shelf that you're like, that's one you got to read? Well, there, there are a lot. Uh, and, and that's the thing, I guess I should say as a disclaimer, as we get ready to start talking about leadership and team building, everything that I have is, is based on my experiences sure. playing and coaching and then what I've stolen right. <laughs> from other coaches or authors. Sure and really help those things come together to form my philosophy on how to run a college basketball program and lead a team. But I think you know, some of the books that would stand out, you know, John Gordon, uh, I think he's one of the top authors in the country right now, and, and his books are uh, really good. They're, they're simple to read, they're in a big font, <laughs> and, which is good for me, uh, they're short, but it's, it's interesting because it's basically everything I've always believed, and he's just smart, a lot smarter than I am, sure. so he's able to put it to paper. But uh, his books, The Energy Bus, Training Camp, The Carpenter, uh, You Win in the Locker Room First, The Hard Hat, all great books. I think uh, I really like to study football coaches. And Bill Walsh's book, The Great Coach of the 49ers, his book, The, the Score Takes Care of Itself, is tremendous. Uh, and also Urban Meyer's book, Above the Line, uh, is just awesome on leadership development. To go back to you, you graduate from App State uh, with a degree in marketing. Yeah. How much do you use that degree today? Every maybe, day. Maybe more than you would have, ex you never would have expected, I would imagine, when you graduated with it, that it would, that it would be a, a basketball situation. Every day. We're all selling something. Right. Uh, so I think every day. Uh, it is interesting to go with that business degree into the coaching profession and 
You know, and when you're first, you start off, you're making $12,000 a year, no benefits uh, in coaching. And it was very lucky, my family, very supportive, you know, follow your passion, your dream. Right. Now you start getting into year three and four, <laughs> making 17,000, no benefits. It's, you might want to go explore that business right. degree and see what doors that can open. But uh, fortunately, stayed the course and uh, but it, it's something you know that's used every day. I feel like uh, you know, marketing and and uh, management of, of staff or a program, uh, leading a program. I feel like I got a good base from from the school of business there at Appalachian State. What was the was there an aha moment for you? I think if I read right, you, know, you graduated and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do, and then right. you were sort of offered a spot uh, to to come be an assistant there. But once you got into it, what, what was the, was there an aha moment where you're like, this is what I, this isn't just a, I, I'm 22 and I don't know what to do right now. And I'm just kind of biding some time, but this is the love of my life. You know, I really loved it, Jeff. I had a, a lot of passion for it, and it, but it really wasn't until about age 30, probably eight, nine, 10 years in really? that I realized why I was doing mm -hmm. it. You know, when I first started, it was, you know, put in all these ridiculous hours and, you know, try to win the next game, try to sign the next great player. Um, but I didn't really have, I don't think, my purpose as to why I was coaching. And, you know, just through some different adversities, some things didn't necessarily work out the way I would have liked. Uh, trying to climb the coaching ladder, uh, I was... I think I found my purpose as to why I do it, which is hopefully I can say uh, is to impact people, uh, is to provide opportunity. I mean, one of the probably the the best part of my job is every July first, I found I signed 13 pieces of paper that award over $400,000 in scholarship money uh, for student athletes to come to Murray State and and get a great education. So. You know, those are responsibilities that I take very seriously and, um, you know, but it, it did take, you know, eight, nine, ten years in until I realized exactly why I coach. And it's not about cutting down nets. I know that's mm -hmm. part of it, you know, getting to compete and, and, and go for championships. But I hope it's to impact people. And, and I try to keep that as my focus on a daily basis. How do you walk the line? Uh, and I guess from a even as an assistant, you did this, but certainly as a head coach, it's different. This is your livelihood. Um, and, and, you know, you're trying to impact lives. You're trying to help, you know, bring boys in here and, and hopefully have them leave as men, but you get five, 6,000 people out there. That's all fine and well. They want to win basketball games. They sure. want you to win championships. Your career survival in a lot of ways is how many games you win. How do you, balance that between trying to have an impact on these guys as human beings which you know it's every coach says it and you want to believe every coach but at the same time at the end of the day whether you win or not right. it matters whether or not you're here no you're exactly right I, I think that's the hard part and it was really the challenging part for me uh, when I was fortunate enough to get to come back from Louisiana Tech to take the head coaching position here and I think it's about, you know, it's cliche as it is, trusting the process. Mm -hmm. 
And I just believe every great team or every great organization is built on a strong foundation. And so these last couple of years has been about trying to rebuild that foundation, reestablish that foundation here. And for us, that foundation is our culture. And I just, I saw a great quote. It's in one of those John Gordon books I talked about. It said, when you love the process, you'll love what the process produces. Mm -hmm. And just having trust in that. You know, I think there's a, you know, the, the Teddy Roosevelt quote about the man in the arena. I think just yeah, there comes a point where you have to ignore the critics and the naysayers and know that the way you're building this thing is, is the right way to do it right. and to have trust in that and have belief in it that you're going to get to where you want to go uh, and the, the wins will soon follow, the championships will soon follow. You worked for a, a lot of coaches already um, in your career as an assistant and, and other assistants along the way that I'm sure you've, you've been able to pull some stuff um, from. What was the biggest thing that you were able to pull from, from Steve Prohm uh, in your time here? Uh, he, he, in terms of the culture, and, and there's been such a consistency really from when Billy Kennedy was here, and then obviously he and Steve were, you know, two peas in a pod, and, and there was that uh, sort of consistency. Of, but, but you're your own guy. Um, you're not from that tree necessarily, but but what what did you pull from from Steve that you, you've I thought applied? from Coach Prome just his ability to instill confidence and belief in his players. Uh, I just I saw him really do a great job in in building that within the program, and I thought he really has a, a knack for going out and recruiting great players, and then turning them loose to be great when yeah. they get here. Uh, not necessarily handcuffing them to certain set plays or this or that. I think he really lets them play with a lot of creativity and freedom. And uh, and I thought offensively, uh, I, I thought he was really ahead of his time offensively with his creativity, the different ball screens, uh, some of the different things we did. Our, you know, six, seven years ago are now things you see very prevalent, uh, not only in the college game, but also in the NBA game. So. Uh, really took a lot of, of, of those type things from him. How much maturity does it take as a coach to be able to just let your guys go, to just let them, you know, and, and obviously there's always some constraints on things, but, you know, it can be a a coach's game. And if, if you guys yeah. want, you can literally coach every pass that yeah. happens, but to just have to have the trust with your guys to go, I know, you know what you're doing, just go do it. Right. Well, I think it starts with recruiting and yeah. who you have in your program. When when I first got back here, we, we had to be more of a slow down, half court, run a set each time uh, because that's what gave us the best opportunity to win there in my first year with, you know, very fortunate. We had Jeffrey Moss back and uh, the emergence of Wayne Langston. Uh, so we really needed to try to feature them. But now as we've been able to recruit the way we needed to and get guards like Jonathan Stark, Ja Morant, uh, those are the guys you just have to trust. I mean, they're just elite level players and you don't want to overcoach talent like that. Uh, we'll, we'll coach all the defense and we'll have our offensive schemes and so forth. But I just think players, and I think back to when I was a player, uh, when you're playing free at that offensive end of the floor and with confidence and you know your coach believes in you, 
it's a lot easier to go out and perform at the best of your ability. As a leader and the, and the guy at the top of the pyramid in this program, um, what do you expect from a leadership standpoint with your assistants, with your your GA, other other guys on the even before we get to sort of the you know the leadership in the, in the locker room with the players, but from from the other guys, what what are what do you expect and how much? Obviously, you you can't be pulling the wagon by yourself. That a lot is expected out of them. But how much is that is purposefully delegated to them, and how much of it is you know they come in and they sort of you know they they understand what needs to be done. Oh, very simple. I, I don't care about title. Uh, I think we can all be leaders, and I think it just comes down to one word. It's it's one of our five team standards, and that word is alignment. Uh, I want we have to have everyone in our program, everyone in our organization, in alignment with each other, uh, sharing the same team culture, vision, purpose. Uh, we all have to be on the same mission. I think it's my job as the head coach to clearly define mm -hmm. those things. Uh, but then I want to give our staff the, the freedom to instill their version of it as well. Uh, but I think it's just like that, you know, if we've all had our car that's out of alignment and you're driving down the interstate, if you, you take your hands off the steering wheel, you end up in the ditch. Right. And a team's no different, a staff's no different. You, you get one or two guys out of alignment and pretty soon your team's in the ditch. So. Uh, that's a word we really stress on a daily basis is to have everyone aligned with the same vision and purpose, uh, same goals for the, the team moving forward. Accountability is a word that gets thrown around a lot in in all real walks, a lot of business and, and obviously in a team level too. Um, I've learned as a parent, you know, you can, you can make demands and you can, but if there's not follow-up with, punishment in whatever way and, and there's not some sort of consequence I suppose you can sit and and you know yell into the wind all you want and, and you're not going to get changes in that way so in terms of in terms of accountability how do you manage that how do you demand it how do you how do you maintain it uh, that, that everybody's all in well one of our five core values well, basically I think you hear this word culture thrown around sure. all over the place but I don't know that it's ever necessarily defined. And so we try to define it. And the way we do it is we have five core values and five team standards. And there are things that everyone in the program knows. Um, I try to, my word to describe is clarity. Mm -hmm. I want to be clear and specific and consistent in how we deliver those five core values. Everybody understands. Those five, there's, no, there's no gray area. Correct. In those five team standards. And with accountability being one of our core values, I just define it as our actions and our words must match up. And for example, I think Jonathan Stark is a great example of the accountability that we're looking for in our program. His words and in our individual meetings were, I want to be a leader of the team. I want to be a professional basketball player one day. I want to lead Murray State back to the NCAA tournament. Well, those were his words. Well, his actions backed those up because he was in the gym every single day, three times a day working on his game to get better. Uh, he went through a leadership study with me to get better as a leader. Uh, his actions and words always matched up, and that's why he had the success that he had. You know, he'd be a, unfortunately, throughout my time, I'll come across a player who tells me, hey, I want to be an all-league player, or I want to play professionally. 
And those are their words, but their actions are, I'm going to sleep into 1 o'clock on Saturdays. Right. I'm never going to come to the gym. I'm never going to work on my game. I'm going to be lazy in all areas. And they're not accountable. So those things never happen for those players. Uh, so that's how we define accountability and uh, we always try to emphasize with our players that your actions and your words have to match. That leadership program you've we've talked about a couple of times now, what, where did that start? When, how is it received? Is it you invite somebody behind the curtain? Do they come to you and say, I want to be a leader? How, how does that how does I try that work, to. I, I think you have to be very intentional um, in developing leaders. I think we can sit here and throw quotes around and all that, but that, that doesn't develop a leader. Uh, you have to spend the time one-on-one -on -one trying to help that individual become a better leader. And like I tell our guys all the time, these five core values, five team standards that we live by, I live by them too. Those aren't just for the players. That's for everyone in the organization. I'm trying to get better as a leader every day. So Jonathan and I had spent a lot of time this spring just in one-on-one -on -one meetings. Uh, we read a book together called Training Camp by John Gordon. It's, uh, it's about uh, a football player trying to make a professional team and a coach takes him under his wing and, and really breaks down the 11 traits of the best of the, the best of the best, what separates the best uh, from everyone else. And, and so we go through that book together, uh, fire off questions back and forth, have a lot of discussion. And I thought it was really good for Jonathan. I thought it was really good for me. I, th I thought it really helped me get better uh, as a coach. Uh, so those are some of the things we do. We do the same thing team building wise. We read a book together this year as a team called The Hard Hat. And it was 21 ways to be a great teammate. And we worked our way through it over the course of eight weeks as a team uh, in simple 15 to 20 minute sessions. Uh, and, and I thought it was really good for us. Uh, and I think each man in that locker room got better because of it. We've, we know all about the Zen master and Phil Jackson and his handing out books to his players and so on. How, how does the book club uh, go over in the locker room when, and obviously it's small digestible chunks and you're not, you know, don't need you to read War and Peace by Sunday, but how, what's, what's the reaction when we're like, hey, we're going to read a book together? Well, I think if you've put the right people on your bus, which comes back to recruiting, mm -hmm. then you've brought in guys who are committed to becoming the best they can be. And that's not just in the weight room and on the court, I think, uh, you know, it's just your mind. And so this past year, we had a great response to it. I thought our guys really bought in to what we were doing. Uh, we even uh, had the uh, Murray State hard hat done and each player, when we got done with the book, each player signed the hard hat. We took it everywhere we went on the road. It sat up in the front of the locker room uh, for every game. And I thought it helped us build our team. I thought we all learned from the different traits uh, of great teammates. And uh, so I thought buy-in was very good. And I think if you have the right people in that locker room, uh, they're always looking for creative ways to get better. How do you need to get better as a leader? As you said, I'm still trying to improve. Is, is there a What's the blind spot with you? Oh, I don't know. There's a blind spot. I, I want to get better in all areas, but I think yeah. you know, the ability to get better in developing relationships with people. I think the, the stronger our relationships are, player to player, player to coach, coach to coach, uh, the more measurable uh, improvement in our team success is. 
so that, that's an area I'm certainly striving to get better at. Uh, still want to get better in my teaching uh, of the game, you know, and, and that's where a big, we, we did an exercise this year where each player cho and coach chose a word that they were going to be committed to on a daily basis. And for me, my word was clarity. I wanted to be very, very clear and concise in my messaging, not only after wins, but after losses, not only after good times, but in bad, and be very simple, but consistent in how I message things to our team, whether it's an offensive scheme, uh, whether it's a leadership quality that, that we needed to improve, uh, so on and so forth. So. Uh, a lot of different areas, but, but, but those are certainly a couple that stand out. How impactful do you think pregame speeches are? Not, not the nuts and bolts and here's what we need to get done, but once you, turn, you, you put the marker down and you turn to the boys for those final 30 seconds, are they, are they useful? Are they cliched? Uh, is it sort of fall if you notice maybe if the years have gone on maybe they uh new generations that they they fall more on deaf ears and i mean i i know when i played you loved it i mean you're like all right let's go run through the wall you know but but at the same time you can't hear the same thing right. 35 times in a year and it's going to lose some of its impact but where do you where do you fall on those? Well, I, I think it's important it's the the final reminders that you're trying to present to your team to carry over to the game uh, but i think if you're counting on that five minutes before tip-off speech to get them fired up, to go out and perform at their best, you're in big trouble. <laughs> I, I think all that work has to be done in practice. But I do think it's important that we're uh, consistent in our messaging there uh, and that we are um, putting our team in the right frame of mind to go out and perform at their very best. So uh, there, there's certainly value there. We've talked a lot through the year about joy and, and yeah. being, being an important word for you guys this year and and we i guess it's it's the difference between the process and the product and the people in the arena are only worried about the product at the end you know <laughs> and it's like and, and and i know at the beginning of the year when you I'm sure you got whether it's literally written down or you know we want to win this championship we want to win that championship we want to win x amount of games but if you fall short you still succeeded you still you still accomplished a lot during the season, and and that seemed to be a, a priority for you guys this year. That whether it was a random game in January and in Charleston, Illinois, or you know in Evansville when it was done, you guys were going to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Well, it was selfishly for me, and and that became the fifth core value of our program this year. And I had to make that change for my own sanity. Um, because I see what you're saying. Like year one here, like, I know we didn't win a championship, but we got a lot of things done that year considering the circumstances we, we were in. Mm -hmm. Year two for me was a very challenging, um, disappointing uh, I don't want to use the word miserable, but it was not a fun experience. Right. And so as I reflected on the season and, and the things that didn't necessarily go the way we would have liked to, it wasn't about wins and losses either. Mm -hmm. 
I'll be very clear about that. that. That wasn't why it wasn't enjoyable. But as I reflected last spring and spent a lot of time on how we were going to reinvent our culture and our program going into year three, I looked at it this way. It was basically a 19-year journey for me, Jeff, to get this, what is for me the opportunity of a lifetime, to be the head coach at Murray State, one of the great programs in the history of college basketball. And here we are two years in. I've, I've worked 19 years as an assistant, uh, made $12,000 a year, no benefit, <laughs> we talk about, and right. so on and so forth, and I'm miserable. Why, why does that happen? How does that happen? It can't ever happen again. And so we had to go through the painstaking process of uh, weeding out some neg negativity from the program, uh, changing some different things, because if there was anything that was going to happen this year, whether we won a game or not, is I was going to enjoy being the head coach at Murray State. And uh, because I think what happens, sometimes we get caught up in this win, 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 and we forget why we're doing it. And instead of now we get to go to work, I get to walk into this office as <laughs> you have to. You have to do this or you have to do that. I, would, I coach college basketball. I wear shorts and T-shirts to work <laughs> 330 day. days a year. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, right. for some crazy reason, they make us wear a suit in the game. Sure. So I wanted to make sure that joy became one of those five core values and that it was a fun process. Uh, we get to play in front of five, 6,000 people a night here at Murray State. Our community loves it. Uh, and... I thought that really was contagious through our team this year. I, you know, we celebrated wins. You know, like I think up at Illinois State, we won, and guys are throwing water all over each other, and it's a mid-December game. And someone from I got an email like, you know, what y'all doing celebrating? It's just you know, it's one win, road win, and in December. But I think it's important that we celebrate it. And, and celebrate a lot of, each a lot of work went successes. into that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It's, and it's hard to win, hard to win anywhere, especially on the road. And uh, so I just want to make sure that that joy exudes through our program, that our players enjoy their experience, that our staff enjoys their experience, and, and selfishly that I enjoy it. And I know that's a long discussion on joy, uh, but I think it's really important. And you know, a lot of different people influence you different ways as you go through this journey. And, you know, I got to meet a guy, Brad Barnett, who passed away here mm -hmm. from uh, ALS, yep. you know, several, a couple of years ago. And the only reason I got to meet him was because of the, the ice bucket challenge. And for whatever reason, you know, he was struggling and just fighting for his life every day. But for some reason, he kind of took me under his wing and uh, yeah, every game sent positive encouragement. And, uh, you know, last spring talked to me about just, you know, ignore the noise, block out all that, and just enjoy what you're doing. And as his shirt said, live life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. Sometimes we get caught up in the day-to-day, -day, you know, and like you're talking about, you know you got to win a certain number of games to maintain your job or whatever. You know, just enjoy it, live life to the fullest, have no regrets, and 
and trust that everything will work out the way it needs to work out. Is there a part of you that wonders, man, why haven't I been doing this forever? I mean, it felt like you sort of like unlocked a door that was, like you didn't even know what was behind that door. And then you got there and you're like, why, why wasn't I here forever ago? Well, or did you have to almost learn your way into that no, spot? Jeff, I think it just, you know, being transparent, I think I always was that way. And then just some things going on off the court, couldn't get the chemistry the way it needed to be within our team. You know, selfishness and cancer just prevailed. It just, it beat you down. Mm -hmm. And we're all human. Yeah. And, and I knew it was beating me down. <laughs> but I, I couldn't fight. I, I didn't, I couldn't win. I couldn't right. win that battle. And luckily I was able to step away and really reflect and, uh, you know, make the changes that were necessary for me as a coach, but also, you know, most importantly for our program to move forward. And, and for that to happen, I don't deserve any credit for our players deserve all the credit. You know, they, they're the ones who bought in. They're the ones who put in the work. They're the ones who sold out to the, to the betterment of the team on a daily basis. And that's why we won. Uh, you know, four of our top seven, as we went down the stretch last year, four of our top seven players, it was our first year playing for Murray State. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't necessarily an experience or anything. I mean, we just, we had guys who were about the right things. And it's, man, it's a lot more fun to coach <laughs> when, when that's the culture that's established within your team. I mean, it's the old saying of evolve or die. And certainly, you know, you guys took a hard right turn after the 17 season and yeah. you made some adjustments and maybe a year, maybe five years down the line, you're going to have to make another sure. adjustment again. Uh, What's the fact, what did you learn maybe from last year uh, to, to exercise that change to, that, that you know that, okay, this is, maybe I recognize the symptoms of the problem faster. Maybe I can fix the problem faster. Uh, what was, what was the, biggest, the biggest lesson for you? Oh, I think it's about having the right people on your bus, you know, and then being able to get them in the right seats and establishing the buy-in that it takes, you know, because we all have to sacrifice. If you want to be a part of a great team, there has to be sacrifices. We had some good players who didn't play. Yeah. They weren't in the rotation. They could have been problems, but no, they, they, they stayed committed to the process too. And I know they were disappointed that their role wasn't greater, but they sold out for the team. And that's why we had the success we did. But I think it's, Where's uh, and where's the line though when when they're swimming upstream and maybe not going with the flow, where you go from, I'm trying to issue corrective measures to get mm -hmm. them on the bus to the point where you go, dude, we don't have a seat for you anymore. No, no doubt, and, and that's that's the hard part. I was really hamstrung in year two by the APR. I mean, that's you also have outside circumstances that control what you can do as far as eliminating problems. Mm -hmm. But no, I think I'm, I'm always going to err on the side of a player and trying to help him get better and learn. Uh, I was far from perfect, still am, but in college especially, far from perfect. So, you know, want to help these guys learn and, and get better. Uh, but I think it does come a point where you got to eliminate it. And it's not the, not the fun part of the job. It's it's, it's probably my least favorite part of the job, but you have to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't have 
uh, people within our organization sabotaging the efforts of the team. Right. And once you have that sabotage uh, within your organization, it's, it's, it's hard, to, hard to recover. Uh, so I think you have to get to a point and you know, enough's enough. We've got to move on. It's best for both parties. We go different directions. You have been a part of now seven years here. You have been a part of two seasons that have we've never seen anything like it. You start a year 23 and 0, ranked in the top 10 of the country. You're playing in front of packed houses every night. Um, you got Dick Vitale dancing on your floor, <laughs> um, and, and then you know three years later you're winning 25 games in a row. Uh, there is a certain I feel like in sports and when you're on a team and it doesn't really matter what level you're at, you're, you're chasing something and you're, you're, whether it's, you know, even you're chasing wins and you're chasing titles and you're chasing, the bar has been set so stupidly high mm. with these never as for all everything that's ever happened in this building and across the street and all the banners and everything. It was stuff no one had ever dreamed of. Sure. How do you continue to dream big and chase that dragon when in a lot of ways, realistically, you may never get to that level again. How do you, how do you not settle, I guess, or maybe almost yeah. be disappointed that you're not going to go 31 and one yeah. again? No, I think it comes back to just remembering why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I know it's cliche, but trusting the process mm -hmm. of, this is what we do. It's the relentless pursuit. It's the consistent commitment to get better every single day, every single year. So, no, I think it's a great question. You know, four years, as I said, two of the four years were like historical seasons here. And now you get to move into the head coaching position. And quite frankly, we weren't set up to win at the level you need to win at in year one and two. And it's nobody's fault. It's for a million reasons that we could talk for hours. We weren't set up to win at the level you're, you're expected to win at Murray State. So we um, had to go through the painstaking process of rebuilding Murray State, restructuring the foundation uh, to put it in place to where we can have that type of success. And that's where I'm just so proud of what we're able to accomplish this season. Uh, not for me. Uh, but for like Jonathan Starr, Terrell Miller, uh, the commitment they made, because statistically their numbers fairly similar, mm -hmm. but their impact was so much greater this year. They impacted winning. And it wasn't 31-2, and two, but they did historical things this past season you know, to finish 10th in the country in winning percentage, 9th in the country in scoring margin to win 10 more games than the previous season, to, to lose 12 less uh, than the previous season. Uh, at a program so rich in history to, to earn a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament, which is the third highest season in Murray State, or third highest seed in Murray State history. Mm -hmm. I think it's really a credit to what those guys were able to do. Now, for me, the challenge as we move forward, I think is, is why you make a daily commitment to culture and having a strong foundation is, can you sustain it? Mm -hmm. Or were we just a one hit wonder? Was it one good season? 
or can we sustain that level of success? And if you talk about dreaming big, there are things that haven't been done here. Uh, you know, we've only won three games in, in the NCAA tournament history. Can we get back, whether it's this year, next year, 10 years or not, can we get Murray State back to the NCAA tournament and win a game? And then can we do what's never been done here and win a second game and go to the Sweet 16? Uh, you know, you've seen some of these magical runs and things got to line up perfect. You know, you look at Loyola's run to the Final Four. You know, a lot of things fell their way mm -hmm. to make that happen. But I think, you know, you always have to dream big and, and think about what, what do you have to get done to make those things a possibility down the road. And that's what we try to do on a daily basis uh, and, and stay committed to that relentless pursuit and just the consistent commitment to get better every single day, to continue to try to elevate our program uh, every single day in every single year. It may be too early to answer this, but is it is it easier to lead coming out of a season where you had the first losing record in 30 years and, and all that struggle? Or is it easier, obviously, coming from a successful time, yeah. obviously, but but it's it's a different, you know, the beast outside the door is a little different. Now yeah. it's everybody telling you how great you are and how sure. wonderful, which, which is, or are they, I equally think, challenging in their own know, ways. I think, I think both present different challenges, but just like I told the, the few returning guys we had coming back uh, last season, you know, past disappointment or past failure, however you want to look at it, doesn't guarantee future failure. Right. Uh, just like past success of this season certainly doesn't guarantee future success. So I think every year is its own year. Every team is its own team. And we have to approach it that way. I mean, I, I, by no means, you're, you're not going to see Murray State wearing any shirts, talking about going back to back. And I, I think it has absolutely nothing to do with what this team can become. And so I think especially in today's era of college basketball, where there's a lot of roster turnover, um, our goal will continue to be how do we help this group, the eight returners we have, the six newcomers, become the absolute best team that they are capable of becoming? And that has to be our daily commitment. And if we'll focus on the right things, uh, the, the wins and losses will take care of themselves. When you go to bed on a random November night, you didn't have a game, maybe it was just practice, but when you go to bed, you're like, how do you know that day was a success? When there's no, no scoreboard, I guess, necessarily. I, I guess I've talked about process yeah. some here in our conversation, and, well, you know, what the heck is process? You know, you hear it in this, you know, I know you're a Philly guy, <laughs> so you hear your 76ers talking about it all the time. What is it? Well, to me, it's just focusing on the things that you can control which for me is our mindset, you know, attitude, whatever you want to call it, but from, from we describe it as our mindset, our effort, uh, obviously our actions, and then the fourth one we talk about all the time is uh, our ability to be a great teammate. We control those four things every day uh, when we roll out of bed. Uh, so I feel like if, you know, we're not always going to play well. You know, we might not shoot great. 
You know, we're going to miss some defensive assignments, turn the ball over, whatever it might be. But if we really focus on the process, which is those four things I talked about, controlling those four things, if we do it to the best of our ability, then I feel like that day is a success and we got better. The answer for you and the answer for fans may be entirely different. And again, we've kind of gone back to that more than once. If, if you guys lose to Belmont in March, was last season a success? Would you have been able to – would you, at the end of the day, been able to go – it might have taken you a little while to get there, but would you have been able to accept that the season was a success even though maybe the top goal on the board wasn't reached? I don't know, Jeff. I'm, I'm really bad about two things among many that I'm terrible at. One is comparisons. Uh, yes. Uh, comparing teams and eras and all that. The other is hypotheticals. Yeah. If this would have happened or that would have happened. I guess just to uh, – it might upset people, but just to give you an ins- a look into my approach, the 2015 team uh, where we won 25 games in a row and mm-hmm. Taylor Barnett hits a fadeaway three at the buzzer to beat us and it, in the OVC championship. I've never once stayed up till four in the morning thinking, oh my, I can't believe you made the shot. That ruined my life. Um, did it ruin a day? Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you're crushed. I mean, <laughs> right. my daughter cried for four hours. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. She, but you, you're crushed. But you know, to to let that outcome, what was that? Was that group? Was that team a failure because he made that shot, or we didn't play our absolute best that day? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. So I, I don't know to answer your question. I, I can't. I wouldn't call it a failure. I would call it. It would have been an absolute devastating disappointment if, if the game would have gone the other way. I want to read you a quote from you. Um, the thing I really enjoy about coaching is it puts you in a position where you get to impact people, both your players, other coaches, your community. That's how I've always moved forward, trying to get better at what I'm doing and trying to impact as many people in a positive way as I can. That sums about everything up. That, that's it? accurate. That's it. That's, that's it. Um, why but why it, is it the works impact? both ways, though? It re- really? It works both ways. Like, for example, if, if I'm not coaching at Murray State, do I get the opportunity to meet Brad Barnett and the impact that he in turn had on my life? Do I get the opportunity to meet the people I get to meet simply because I coach at a great basketball school? Um, I, I probably don't. So I think it works both ways. And I think I'm able to get better as a man, most importantly, because I've been able to coach here and because I, I get to coach college basketball. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't think it's like I'm on some pedestal that we get to have this incredible impact on people. I think we're fortunate here at Murray State that we do, but I think it works both ways. Last question. Um, whenever the day may come, hopefully decades down the line, uh, when you put the whistle away for the last time, how will you know in your heart your career has been a success? Oh, I think, you know, the highlight of my summer uh, this past year I recruited a young man at Appalachian State, Donald Sims, who he had one other Division I offer. I just loved him. Lived in the gym, unbelievable character. Uh, We signed him at at Appalachian State. 
got a bunch of criticism. He had a teammate who went in our conference and everyone said he'd be better and this and that. And he's the all-time leading scorer in the history of Appalachian State. And this past, he's played nine years now professionally. And Mary and I um, going and spending the weekend with him uh, as he got married in, in Georgia this past summer was the highlight of the summer for me. And I think if you're in this thing for the right reasons, uh, when your relationship isn't just the four years or the two years you coach them here, it lasts forever. Um, you know, the, the, one of the really neat things about going to the NCAA tournament this year, Jeff, was the people I heard from. Heard from all my teammates that I played with over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, the night of the championship, I heard from every one of my college coaches. Uh, got to talk on the phone with Steve Prome at midcourt 15 minutes after the game and celebrate that moment together and, and thank all these people for the impact they've made on my life. Uh, the second those phone calls stop, uh, the second those relationships are no longer positive and uh, no longer impacting people, then it's time for me to go <laughs> and do something else. Uh, but I, I hope that's a long, long way away uh, from now because I've got the best job in the world. <laughs> I get paid to coach college basketball. Uh, it's, it's really an, an amazing journey. No two days are ever the same. I get to raise my three kids in an unbelievable community uh, here in Murray. Um, and they get to be around great people in our program. They get to grow up around people like Jonathan Stark, uh, John Morant, Shaq Buchanan. It just, it's, it, it's, we, we've been very, very blessed. And uh, so very thankful for what we get to do. And like I say, my, my quest every day when I get up is to get better at it. And not only as a coach, but to be a better husband, a better father, and the second I'm no longer striving to get better, what are we doing? You know, so that, that's my goal, and that's kind of my outlook on not only what we do here, but why we do it. Thanks for doing this. Oh, man, I've enjoyed it. I appreciate the time and the great questions. Go Racers. Thank you so much for listening to the Lens of Leadership podcast. We'll release a new episode each Monday morning. If you got anything out of this episode, anything you can use in your life, please go to iTunes, go to SoundCloud, rate us, review us, leave us a comment, share it with your friends, and that'll help us continue to bring you these great guests every week. Until next time, thanks for listening, and go lead. Thank you.